Hello and welcome to Forbes India Teenpreneurs, a weekly podcast series where we speak with the young and restless, literally entrepreneurs and innovators under the age of 20. We'll dissect their enterprises, chart their journeys and highlight the perils and prizes of starting young. Welcome to the 10th episode of Teenpreneurs. This is your host Naini Thakur. If you are a chronic smoker, or even if you aren't, what if there was a way to tell if you are at risk of developing oral cancer? Our guest for today's show, 18-year-old Nikia Shamsher, started thinking on these lines when she was in the 7th grade. At 16, she invented QuitPuff, a point-of-care salivary diagnostic test that can enable smokers to self-check their early risk of developing oral precancer and oral cancer. Currently, the test costs Rs. 38 only, but Nikia is working on further bringing down this cost. She has recently graduated from Greenwood High International School, Bangalore and will be attending Stanford next year. Nikia decided to take a gap year to further work on her research. Nikia, thank you so much for joining us on the show. And congratulations for the great work that you're doing, uh, you know, which we'll get to um, in a bit. But, you know, if you can start by telling us a little about um, what is it that inspired you to come up with a product like uh, QuitPuff? Um, you know, and given that a lot of kids start their research during their undergraduation, which is something, you know, you are yet to begin. Uh, why is it or what was it that inspired you to start out this young First off, thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, and secondly, to answer your question, it was actually um, an event that took place, I think, back in seventh or eighth grade, where um, I was part of this group called Compassionate Clowns. And we'd go to hospitals to, and we'd dress up all funny. And we just want to cheer up the, some of the younger um, patients there, um, because normally it's a very depressing environment. So we just wanted to um, cheer them up for a bit and uh, bring a smile on their face. So during one of those visits, while I was um, leaving the pediatric ward, um, I ran into a man who had about half his jaw surgically removed. Um, and because of that, I could see he was struggling to speak. Um, he also clearly looked like he was in a lot of pain. He had tears in his eyes as well. Um, and I spoke to one of the nurses and she informed me that he um, had late, he had a very late stage of oral cancer, um, but he was still regarded as one of the very few lucky ones because there were many others who didn't survive the cancer. Mm-hmm. So um, that event sort of uh, got me a little, a bit more curious about um, about oral cancer and why um, why it got to such a late stage, um, and why it got so extreme, and why he was even considered, despite everything he went through, why he was still considered a lucky one, and that that's what made me learn about the very high mortality rate of oral cancer in India, and how a large large reason for that is actually late diagnosis. So um, a lot of people because of lack of education or lack of access to hospitals they get diagnosed too late um, and because of that they end up and because of that a, a lot a lot of times the end result is is very dark they end up not being able to survive the cancer or they end up in a lot of pain within a lot of emotional physical and financial stress right um, so you know how did you come up or when did you come up with this idea of you know creating this um, you know product which is quite puff um, and, and how old were you um, at the time uh, so i started my research in ninth grade 
Um, and from there, it took time up, up until 11th. And now even in 12th, I'm still continuing this research. Um, and so the uh, so it, ta- it did take quite a bit of time to get to this stage. Um, so was it when you started off, um, you know, was it always uh, when, when, of course, you encountered this instance and post that, were you always very clear that, you know, this is, I mean, you wish to, con- you know, continue or get into this as, um, you know, a very serious kind of a research or was it just curiosity that kind of, you know, um, led you to learn more and more and more and, and how did the product actually come up? Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning, it was a lot of curiosity. I was wondering why it got, um, why oral cancer would get so far. Um, but after that, I learned that there's a lot of focus being placed on diagnosing and treating cancer, but not as much being placed on preventing. Um, so I figured that this is something that needs to be given more attention. And that's what, that's what kickstarted my whole uh, research project. Um, and that's what led to QuitBuff, which is essentially, um, it, it's, a, it's essentially a risk detector. Okay. So can you tell us a little more about, you know, what is it that, that the device does, what, what it looks like, or, you know, what, what mm-hmm. the functionality of, of the product is like? Mm-hmm. So it's a point of care diagnostic for the early risk detection of oral precancer and cancer. Uh, so how it it's it has a very simple principle. It basically detects a biomarker that's present in your saliva, and it changes color. So the more of the biomarker, this is a biomarker of oral cancer. So the more the biomarker, the um, higher is your risk of developing oral cancer. And the more the biomarker, the darker is the color change with this um, reagent with the quitbuff reagent. And so um, all you have to do is you have to spit into this, uh, into, into the quitbuff reagent and mm-hmm. heat it for 15 minutes, after which it changes color. And you can compare that to a chart, mm-hmm. to a color chart, and you can figure out um, where your risk is at, if you're low or middle or high. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, what stage is the product at at the moment? Uh, at the moment, we I've gotten to a point where um, it's just it's one bottle with the reagent in it, and um, it, it, all you have to do is heat it. After that, it's also been tested on um, 500 patients with the appropriate ethics approval. Um, however, there's still a lot more improvement that can take place, so I'm hoping to focus on that during my gap year um, and try to try to make the test as simple as possible. Um, and as accessible as possible. At the at this point, it's also fairly cheap. It's thirty eight rupees right now, but it, this can easily be brought down. And um, storage conditions as well. It 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 doesn't require any specific special storage conditions. Um, it can easily be stored at any pawn shop uh, in the country. But uh, but and it can also be very easily used for mass screening. But there's still a lot of improvements that could be made. Sure. So. Um... Would you say that this product, um, can it be uh, used or should it be used by smokers as well as non-smokers or is it, you know, specifically focused on smokers? The study that was done right now was done only on chronic smokers. So um, as of now, the test works best for chronic smokers, but I think it would be very beneficial for non-smokers to also try it. So the next stage would be testing this out on a larger variety of people. Um, So smokers, non-smokers, tobacco chewers, um, anyone and everyone who's prone to oral cancer. And yes, it would be very effective for non-smokers to also try the test because um, there are cases of non-smokers also developing oral cancer. 
definitely um and when mm-hmm. it comes to you know um, the target audience later on in life i mean uh, depending on your plan at the moment uh, do you plan to mm-hmm. sell this to masses as, as in cus- customers or um, are you planning to you know reach out to doctors and, and sell it to them uh my plan actually is to figure out a way to get it sold at every little pawn shop so when someone's going to buy a cigarette they see they can see the test there and they can hopefully would pique their curiosity enough for them to buy it and just give it a shot um just to see what their own risk level is so i'm hoping to get it sold um one day sold at a place like that and for it to be extremely cheap if not free so that it's just the most accessible uh, it's as accessible as possible makes sense uh anyke i just had a curiosity you know um for instance if you know i do try out um, you know quit puff and if uh, my uh, risk level shows up as being high um am i i mean is there a di- i mean is, that wouldn't be a diagnosis per se right so what would the next step be for uh me uh do i do i reach out to a doctor or would, would that uh, you know kind of encourage me to stop smoking so you know what would the aim be uh when when you do this kind of a test um mm-hmm. so um quit puff isn't uh something that can diagnose cancer for you yeah. it's it more just tells you that you have a very high risk or you have very low low risk of developing okay. cancer so say if you did get a middle to a high risk the first step would be to go to a doctor and the aim of the test is to um is to encourage behavioral change to um essentially warn the smoker that you, you're in a lot of danger this is a good time to stop and to go to a hospital and get yourself checked out before you end up developing cancer and before before it gets too late so the first step would definitely be stop smoking and go to a doctor immediately wow that's great uh great and you know in eventually i mean uh, do you plan to you know i mean would would, would quit puff be a company that you set up and would you be manufacturing selling on your own uh, or do you plan to sort of sell this device to a bigger company um, any such plans or ideas that you have in terms of scaling up the product and like you said making it accessible Mhm so my plan is to hopefully work with the government at one point um so it becomes as accessible as possible just as they enforced the um the whole the gory images that are put on cigarette packets yes. i'm hoping this gets enforced like that one day um so it becomes necessary for all um for anywhere where cigarettes are sold th- uh, this also has to be sold with it or it can even be sold with cigarette packets um just to uh, just so people have just so people can easily buy it i um i haven't thought about starting it as a company i feel like it would be most effective if this were done with the government directly sure and any challenges in here that you you know i mean obviously you had to go uh, i mean like you said it would be a lot of research and, and given how young you were but any particular challenges why you you know uh, were coming up with this uh, project product right uh- there were a few challenges um of course there was a long period of time where the test just wouldn't work so i had to keep trying different methods and that was definitely very frustrating um the constant you know the constant failure so that was something that uh, you had to keep push you have to keep pushing yourself through um and hopefully you get out uh, you get out at the end um and so that was definitely one difficult challenge and um another one was uh, actually when i had to when i wanted to get start getting this tested with patients Mm-hmm. um i went to a bunch of hospitals to ask for their permission um however uh, not a lot of them were very receptive i faced a lot of rejections there as well 
um, there were and there were some who were very blunt about um, about the fact that I'm quite young, so that so they don't believe they don't really believe in my project because of my age. But um, there were still many who were very helpful. So at the end, I did end up doing my um, I didn't end up I did end up doing my project at um, at Victoria Hospital. So uh, there were many that were very helpful, but there were also people who were quite challenging. Um, and like you, uh, you know, rightly mentioned, clearly age did prove to be a barrier, um, you know, for you when it came to this. But apart from, you know, getting these tests done, any other place where you feel like, you know, uh, being this young and being a young innovator proved, um, you know, did not really work in your advantage? Um, I think it was mostly just um, you miss out on a few opportunities or they're a little bit closed off because of, because they question you due to your age. Um, but otherwise, I think being a young innovator is probably one of the best things because it gives you, so, you have so much extra time to learn, figure out what you want to do. Um, you have so much extra time to fail and learn from that. So I think this is probably the perfect age even actually in fact even younger than me is the perfect age to get into research wow um and when you i mean you're actually talking about kids younger than you but when you started you were quite young yourself um and and that's when you know those are the crucial years of schooling and things like that and of course that pressure of you know getting good grades and then going to a good university mm-hmm. all of that being there how difficult was it for you to juggle school education with you know your research uh, in the beginning, it was definitely quite hard. Um, my my academics did dip for a bit. Um, my grades weren't going that well. But um, I think when that happens, it forces you to take a step back and actually reevaluate and set a more stri- a stricter schedule for yourself so that you don't end up neglecting one thing. So there were a lot of points in time where my research got so, so interesting that I'd want to just spend weeks and weeks doing it. And I did end up doing that because of that I neglected my academics and my schoolwork and that suffered. So I think the biggest takeaway from that is that you have to set a schedule for yourself and follow it. So, you know, you spend these many hours a day doing research and then these many hours a day doing academics. So it's definitely hard to juggle, but it's doable. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and, uh, you know, by when would you like to see or rather by when do you, you know, see this product in the market? Um, um, I'm hoping in the next 10 years, I'm wow. giving it a long, um, I'm giving it a long timeline for sure. Um, and that's mostly because it's, of course, after this, it'll have to go through rounds of chemical trials, rounds of clinical trials. Mm-hmm. And um, even before that, I still feel like this can be upgraded to a much higher level where it's a lot easier and it's a lot cheaper. So that would also take time. And then all the testing, all the clinical trials, and then finally getting it into the market. So I'm giving myself a long timeline, but I'm definitely hoping it'll be shorter than that. And um, and here, I mean, when you, like you said, you know, I mean, schooling and education did take a dip, but when you decided to kind of, you know, very seriously pursue um, your research and when you told your parents what was their reaction like I mean like most parents uh, did they have any you know apprehensions about you getting into this uh, and being this young 
they were definitely concerned that um, it would take a hit on my academics, mm-hmm. but they were mostly supportive. They wanted, they knew that I was, this was something I was very, very passionate about. So they didn't want to sort of nip it in the bud. Um, so they did, uh, so they did, they were very happy I was doing this, but it did come with a lot of warnings about not uh, <laughs> messing up in school and yeah. just focusing better with that, better on that. Yeah, yeah. And did you think, I mean, I'm sure that you don't regret, uh, you know, missing out on school time and I'm guessing a lot of social uh, time because it's, it's again, you know, you, you want you want to spend time with your friends, etc. So do you mm-hmm. think that took a hit uh, at all? And, and, you know, do you kind of wish things had gone the other way? Um, um, I'd say I did miss out on school quite a bit and maybe some social events as well. But I don't, I really don't regret it because at the end, this is something I really love doing. I would definitely choose this over anything else. Yes. So that's why I'm not quite upset about missing out, missing out on any of that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm quite glad with the journey I went on and I don't regret it, not one bit. <laughs> Sure. And in terms of, you know, uh, because this is research and of what I understand, mm-hmm. um, it would kind of require quite a bit of funding in terms of, you know, uh, monetary, uh, the monetary aspect as well. Do you think, uh, I mean, h- how difficult was it for you? And of course, you'd need your parents support, but do you have any other mentors or any other organizations helping or supporting you? Uh, so I worked with my mentor who um, helped me get into, uh, who helped me get testing done more easily mm-hmm. and um, and more cheaply as well. So that worked for me, but um, otherwise a lot of it got taken out of my college funds. And after mm-hmm. post that also, um, a lot of it came from research grants and awards. Mm-hmm. So those were definitely very helpful mm-hmm. because they, um, they help you sustain the project. So that was definitely the main source of funding and how I was able to keep this up for so long. Right. And apart from, you know, Quid Puff, are there any other projects that you're working on at the moment or you have worked on in the past? Um, I'm currently working on a project called Yontlon where I open these uh, open STEM labs in schools that can't afford to have any. So um, up to now, we're uh, we're up at 120 labs in uh, just in Bangalore. Um, but I'm hoping to scale that up again once um, once schools start. I'm sure that a lot of the students would have been hit pretty badly because they would have lost out on a lot of theoretical education and practical education. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to, once schools start up again, I'm hoping to take that full steam ahead and open a lot more, uh, open a lot more labs. And essentially these labs just help the students, um, help the students with their theoretical learning because just reading a textbook doesn't give you that whole rounded education and nor does it expose you to the in- whole world of research, mm-hmm. which is something I really feel like they're missing out on just because of how amazingly interesting it can be. And that could be a very big factor that could be turning them off from STEM. So that's the aim of the labs. It just gives them, a, it just lets them, you know, hold things, touch things, try them out for themselves and learn from them and fail and experience it. Right. And so far, do you have any labs that you've set up? Um... Yes, I've set up 120 labs in 30 oh, wow. schools. Okay. So it, this is all in around Bangalore. So I'm hoping to scale it up sooner um, to all around India. So this would be via CSR funding and uh, like other, um, again, funding that you would, you would get um, from other organizations? Uh, yes, it's mostly through that. And it's also um, running on donations right now. Okay. Perfect. And um, going forward, any plans that you have uh, for QuitPuff, any other um, you know, research that you plan to move into? 
so right now, Quitpuff requires, um, it's basically uh, a, a reagent. So it's mm -hmm. a liquid that you have to heat. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping to um, somehow scale that. So I'm hoping to get rid of the whole heating component um, and also sort of make it a bit into a bit of a paper test, almost like a pH, a pH test. Mm -hmm. So you just have to spit on the paper and the color changes and you can compare that to, um, a compare that, compare that to a color chart. So that's the next step with Quitpuff. That's yes. what I'm currently working on. So hopefully that'll work out and I'll be able to push into clinical trials soon. Um, and do you have a patent that you filed for, for the technology? Yes, the patent is currently pending. Okay, brilliant. Um, and one last thing, Nikia, if you can talk a little mm -hmm. about or rather any advice or, um, you know, any key to take takeaways that you've had in this uh, beautiful journey that you've been on for the past so many years, even though you're still very young. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think the one main takeaway was that you're never too young to start. Um, there might be some amount of opposition, but um, I think if you're really, really interested in something, this is the perfect time to take it up because you have enough time to learn, learn what you're interested in, learn what you're not interested in, to fail a bunch of times and learn from that. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely, if there is something that piques your interest, follow it through. Don't push it. To, you know, I'll do it in college. Um, you, there is nothing stopping you from doing it now. So just push yourself. Um, of course, don't forget about academics. Don't forget about the rest of your life. But definitely don't, uh, you don't have to push it back. You can always start now, regardless of how old you are. Great. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, great. Uh, thank you so much for giving us the time and being on the show. You are listening to Forbes India Teampreneurs. We'll be back next week with another Teampreneur. See you then. Today's show was edited and mixed by Manswini Kaushik. If you liked the show, don't forget to share and subscribe. Also check out our other podcasts, a fortnightly series on our latest cover story called Inside Forbes India and conversations about business, economics and books on From the Bookshelves of Forbes India.